0: Thanks for tuning into Vicious Cycle, the only comedy podcast about periods.
1: I'm Meg Trowbridge. I'm Kate Elston. Oh, uh, what's that? That silence is our friend deserting us for brighter pastures. Kate, in post, put in cricket sounds. Done.
0: I'm Meg Trowbridge.
1: I'm Kate Elston. <laughs> um, yes, Meg bounced, is still bounced. In... The european continent let's say, let's while well, she's while well, she's not here yeah, let's do yeah, our yeah. best meg hayes impression oh my god okay, okay i'm gonna ask you hey meg hayes um do you have a period update
0: <laughs> oh my god you guys <laughs> you will not believe i bled everywhere last night <laughs>
1: That's so funny because I was gonna say, "Oh my god, you guys! That is such a Meg thing to say." (laughs) You guys, you guys,
0: you guys,
1: you guys. We love our Meg so much. We love her. We're gonna hear
0: about this via our text thread. I think this should be the rule.
1: If you're not, if if you're not around for a recording, then you get to be impersonated. I was gonna say intim- intimidated. You get to be <laughs> impersonated. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's the new rule. That's, That's like an official. Rule. We don't make. Rule. We don't make the rules. No. We only the patron saint them. of uh you know menstrual cups, Lorena Chalmers. Lorena? No. <laughs> Leona. Leona. Leona Chalmers.
2: Or she makes Saint the rules.
1: Hildegard. Hildegard von Hildegard. Bingen. Yes, they, they just make the rules and we just see them as visions. And, and yeah. I don't know what to tell you listeners. Um, exactly. Oh, so excited
0: for this episode. We are so pumped for this episode. Um, we interviewed this guest uh, a while ago. So Mayhay is a part of this interview. Um, and we talked to our first cis male guest. We had many questions for him. Um his name's Adam and he told us about his abortion story because we think it's really important that men, uh, says men be a part of this conversation. Uh, and Adam's showing up and doing that and trying to encourage other men to help, uh, defend the right of uterus havers.
1: And it was so enlightening. I'm so pumped that we got this interview. Um, I don't, I think I say this in the interview at some point, but it's, Rare to hear men talk about abortion, and I'm so glad that he shared his story. It's not an easy story for anyone to talk about, and mm-hmm. he doesn't know us. I think, you know, we're just three gals that reached out, and he was like, okay, so uh, thank you, Adam, first yeah. and foremost. And really, Adam's doing the work on so many levels. Like He is putting in the work for racial justice, for for gender equality. He's just really, truly...
2: Trying to it. like so help
0: dismantle toxic masculinity, like which is mm-hmm. I think so key. It's like really comforting and you know to see uh, you know, cis men doing that work because I think yeah. oftentimes, you know, femmes speak up about it and they're like, these damn broads.
1: But I think <laughs> men talking to each other can actually make a big, huge impact. Yeah. And I honestly think this this conversation may be the most like not like challenging in like difficult, but like it really made me think. And I yeah. think he he put us to work. He asked us questions yeah. that made me think. And it's not your typical interview, guys. We're really excited for everyone to hear it. Meg Hayes, what did you think about the interview?
0: Oh, my God. You guys, um, it was like so funny that he had um, not a uterus. <laughs> Good point, Meg Hayes. Always coming in with. Incredible insight.
1: Meg, hey, stop eating sunflower seeds. We're recording. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I am I worry about the day when you guys do this for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm scared.
0: One thing we should do uh, before we jump into Adam's interview, um, just remind people that later this season we have a bleeding rainbow. And we wanted to remind you to get your little... Grubby hands on uh the book Squad graphic novel by Maggie Takuta Hall. Um it's awesome. It's about teen girls who turn into werewolves. Uh it's spoiler alert. Oh, I'm
1: so sorry. I'm just kidding. It's like it's like the whole premise.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like the cover of the book. Um, <laughs> and there's periods in it. There's moons, there's like dismantling patriarchy. It's an awesome book. So Read it before that episode comes out. Yeah. We, that episode's probably gonna be got, great. What? A couple like, weeks. At least a couple weeks. Go get it from your local library or indie bookstore.
1: Yeah. I, I'm really excited for that conversation. Also, everyone, listeners, if you're not a part of our Patreon, you're going to want to sign up for that. Uh, we haven't really been shouting that out a lot, but like we're having so much fun over there. There's really great bonus content, including from this episode. Um, so much of what we talk about. Uh, often in interviews goes way too long so we chop up little extra blah 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 blowness content (laughs) and this blowness content is us asking our first cis male guest all about puberty education for people assigned male at birth like what were you he has thoughts about that zookeeper clip that we listened to last season so if you're interested in hearing a real life boy talk about (laughs) a (laughs) man education Did you feel like we were like a little giddy to have like a man on the show? No, every oh my god, yeah, Adam.
0: Every so often, I was like, get it together. You talk to a man every day,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it was just one of the good ones.
0: Yeah, and because like the nature of like one, the fact that he was
1: our first,
0: um, (laughs) (laughs) that uh, we got like we had questions accrued from all these other things like puberty like you know what do you know about periods you know like so it's just tell me about wet dreams yeah the fact that like all that stuff we've never really like yeah I don't think I've asked Kevin about that stuff you know I'm sure I asked him about puberty videos and I don't think he remembered anything so it was just fun to like pick someone's brain and have someone be like yeah "Yeah, that's why I'm here on this podcast
1: to tell you about (laughs) wet dreams (laughs) yep Yep, yep, yep. And we appreciate that. So, yeah, if you want more more Adam, hop over to Patreon for as little as $2 a month. Cool. Should we just jump in to Adam's interview? Yes. Okay, first, let me just introduce him. Adam Siegel is a butcher, a consultant, and a men's group facilitator living in Portland, Oregon. Adam is the founder of New Masculinities Group, which is a group that encourages men to critically examine gender, sexuality, and masculinity through an intersectional feminist perspective. You can find out all about him at adamjacobsegal.com. All right. Meg Hayes, what do you think? You
0: know, guys, I think um, we should just get into the interview. Uh, Without further ado,
1: please put your hands together for Adam Siegel. Adam, thank you so much for being Vicious Cycle's first cis male guest.
3: Thank you, We're Kate. Very Thank excited. you, Megan Meg. And Meg. Do so I excited get, to have this you. Do I get a plaque to go on my wall? <laughs> it's oh, in the mail.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yes, yes. It's absolutely in it's the mail. It's a bronze um, you... tampon on a plaque. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and at the bottom <laughs> it just <laughs> says, thanks, man. Oh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I can't wait to show um, it off. <laughs>
2: yay so
1: adam from what i understand you've been listening to our podcast a little bit
3: yes um thoughts (laughs) notes (laughs) well i heard i heard you all on a sperm search um that was (laughs) enjoyable i've i've really been uh loving your songs and your uh beautiful voices and harmonies Um, yeah, I've, I've listened to some episodes. Uh, I've heard you check in with each other about your periods. I think that's, uh, delightful. And I don't get the chance really to do that with other, uh, cis men. Um, we don't really check in on our, uh, I guess like female health and, and I think, um,
1: Your erections, no,
2: none of that.
3: Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't say to each other like, "Have you checked your testes for um, cancerous bumps or anything?" Which maybe we should. Um,
2: Start a yeah. little monthly check-in. Mm-hmm. True.
3: Are you Are you washing well and correctly? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Could really change some people's lives. Um,
1: so, Adam, the reason we are talking to you for all the listeners out there is that you know, there's. A lot going down right now with reproductive justice, and there's a debate having, happening in the pro-choice movement about the role of men in this, in this debate. Um, and, you know, because for every abortion that happens, yes, it falls on the woman. It's been considered a woman's issue for so long. But there's usually, I would say 100% of the time, <laughs> a person with sperm who knocked that other person up. And the abortion often helps both people. Um, and there's been a movement to sort of a, a yearning, I think, for men's voices in this. And so when we ask people to shout their abortions, it's like, where are all the men? Why aren't the men shouting their abortions? Um, so we're so stoked to have you. We, we got your we, we got connected through the Shout Your Abortion organization. Um, so why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself um, how you, yeah, who you are and what you do. Uh,
3: who am I? Uh, I am a cis, uh, mostly straight, um, white, uh, Jewish man. Um, and I am really interested in uh, promoting anti-patriarchal and healthy uh, manifestations of masculinity, uh, as well as a much healthier uh, culture of uh, consent and sexual communication. Um, I have a men's group uh, in, here in Portland uh, called the New Masculinities Group. I've been doing it for about five years now. Um, and it started, uh, as many people's activist lives did, uh, right around the time of the 2016 election, uh, when sort of moved by feelings of anger and powerlessness felt like, It was everybody's responsibility to do what they could and apply the skills they had to make the world or at least their communities uh, a little bit better and safer. So, yeah, uh, actually, the first sort of endeavor that I did to kind of more embody uh, my politics was do some abortion clinic escorting. Um, But then eventually I started up a men's group. Uh, that has been going for the past five years. And uh, the first two years, it was strictly men and male identifying folks. And then for the past three years, we've also been alternating with uh, all gender inclusive meetings to kind of broaden the conversation, um, to let people in and also to build accountability. um, Because I think there's a lot of folks who um, want to be present and want to see what that conversation looks like. And it's, um, I think we've created some pretty unique spaces that allow for the kinds of uh, deliberate conversation that you don't often get um, at a bar at night yeah. with your buds. <laughs> so, though, I don't know, maybe you three are at bars <laughs> uh, on a Friday night talking only about the most in depth issues of our time.
2: Um, we mostly just talk about our periods at bars, but
4: it's we also pretty do. important
2: yeah
1: (laughs) and so what are those groups like I mean what are you what kind of issues do you do you go over mostly Um, is it and and why and why did you feel the need for for a space for these for men to come together yeah uh
3: well first of all I what I want to say is that they're small uh I don't want to suggest that I'm like bringing together huge groups of people uh sometimes it's three of us sometimes it's Eight to ten of us. Um, it's like
1: an improv show that we. I mean, that we used yeah. to perform for. for you know, don't worry about it. Like our audiences were never big.
3: But I'm sure you changed their lives with your improvisational. <laughs> that comedy. is true. That <laughs> is
1: true. Um, Maybe people, their lives were changed in being in the fact that they would never go see improv again. <laughs> uh,
3: I mean, a big concern for me that I return to time and time again is. Uh, Consent and sexual communication. Um, I think, uh, as you've noted in previous uh, of your episodes, uh, men aren't taught that stuff. Nobody's taught Mm. that stuff. Um, I think I saw a um, Peggy Ornstein article where she said that like 60% of teens had never had a conversation with their parents about consent. Uh, Um, mm -hmm. And so for me... It is really big to talk about that. And I would say we talk a lot about uh, the intersections of um, sexism and racism uh, and ways that um, white people, white women included, can be complicit in structural racism uh, and all of the really confusing ways that those uh, intersect. For me, it is really important to... Um, create a space that is simultaneously like really vulnerable, where we encourage each other to share what's actually on our mind, where we feel like we don't have to perform goodness or perfection, where we can express uh, our true selves and feel uh, supported and like we're being compassionate with each other, uh, but also a critical space where we're not just you know letting letting ourselves just rant or talk uh, you know un Uh, unimpeded Um, because for me I think doing this work has to can combine both people have to feel safe enough to do difficult work of looking inward especially with each other but if you make it too safe and too comfortable then you risk not actually doing the necessary work of uh, self-analysis and recognizing ways in which you've caused harm Uh, so yeah that getting that that intersection of feelings uh, is really important for me.
1: So I'd love to return to this uh, like the work that you've done and w- like working with other men but I want to hear about your the, uh, st- the story of your abortion or of your partner's abortion um, and we can discuss like whether we should consider it also your abortion. Like mm-hmm. these are all the questions I want to have. Um, so if you wouldn't mind like give us what happened and yeah. Tell us, tell us how you, you came to have an abortion.
3: Yeah. Um, and that is an interesting question. Is it mine? Mm-hmm. Um, whose choice is it on whether it's linguistically mine or not? Um, was it hers? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I would, I would be interested to hear all of your thoughts on that. Um, yeah. So I think this was around, uh, seven years ago. Um, I was dating someone let's for the sake of just like giving the her let's let's anonymously call her by a pseudonym. Let's say Esther. Um, I was dating this person, uh, and she was wonderful and taught me a lot about what sweetness and care could look like in a relationship. And she also uh, had experienced a lot of trauma at the hands of men and Mm. she, I learned so much from her in terms of understanding the visceral, uh, pain, uh, that patriarchy causes, uh, and to recognize the sort of everyday violence as well as those unnatural, uh, extreme bouts of violence, uh, of abuse and assault. Uh, and the impacts they could have on a person. And so this is someone who, you know, I I guess I want to say right out, is someone who is really meaningful uh, to me, um, even though we haven't talked since uh, really the end of this story. Um, But uh, as we dated for about nine months, and toward the end of the relationship, I realized that something wasn't quite right for me which was that I love, uh, as I'm sure anyone hearing this can tell, to talk about ideas and concepts and things and struggle with questions. And I really want to be intimate with people who share that. And uh, this person uh, was someone who was more of a nonverbal communicator and just didn't get as excited about um, you know sharing ideas and riffing off each other. and And for a while I thought this person is so wonderful uh everything else about them is great you know this conversation aspect is what my friends are for uh but then ultimately realized like if i'm going to spend my life with someone i that's an aspect that i need um and there uh i remember like really trying to figure out like how how does this end and I, i think it started with her bringing up this question uh of should we live together which was a question we had always sort of floated as a bellwether of, like, how is our relationship doing? Because when things were really good, we'd sort of fantasize about it. And then when things were off, we wouldn't talk about it. So one day, I think she was probably sensing something. She asked, so do you still want to live together? And I couldn't give a straight answer. Um, And we talked. And I, uh, you know, um, in a very pitiful, weepy way, uh, broke things off with her. Um, But so it was a, you know tear-filled breakup and it was horrible. Um, and she left and I remember uh, openly weeping uh, and um, a friend drove me out to see other friends at a bar and I was just, you know, uh, oozing tears the entire night while, <laughs> sipping, while sipping my pink cocktail. Um, and the next day, I went to work and right as I got to work, I got a phone call from her And she told me, um, I just went to the doctor and I found out that I'm pregnant. Um, and I, um, think that my response was to freak out inwardly. Uh, (laughs) and outwardly I tried my best to calmly say like, okay, well, this is your decision. Whatever you do is your choice. I'm so sorry this is happening Um, and yeah, like, just let me know what you decide and whatever you decide is good. Um, and, you know, immediately went back to crying while at work. Uh, I was working as a butcher then. And I very clearly remember like, again, tears pouring down my face as I was unwrapping the day's meats.
2: Um, the pork
1: chops that week tasted extra salty.
3: (laughs) Uh, food food safety laws demand that I say <laughs> yeah. that I put tear collectors under my eyes and my
4: <laughs> salt
3: water got nowhere near the salamis. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so that was miserable. Um, but, you know, it was, uh, you know, I mean, miserable in the sense that, like, what an awful thing to realize right after someone has broken up with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- I think later that day I got home and on my doorstep was a black garbage bag full of everything that I had ever, I think, given or lent to her or anything that she had that reminded her of me. Mm-hmm. Um, with a note um, saying that. She, her experience, uh, you know, I want to use the right words to not invalidate how she experienced this, her experience, experience, see, here's my voice cracking. Uh, (laughs) when we talk about puberty again, we can make fun of me for for that. Um, her experience was that I had not loved her for a while. And because of that, she couldn't trust me. And because Mm. she couldn't trust me, she didn't want to be in contact with me. Um, and that was really hard and felt not quite true. Um, because even at that time I did love her, uh, it just wasn't, the relationship just wasn't the one that I think I needed to be in. Um, although, you know, we can argue about what love is in relationships. Um, if, if y'all want to, um, (laughs) but so she mentioned, In that letter, I'm going to be getting an abortion and that'll be the end of it. So, um, I wrote her a letter back, uh, in which I offered to, uh, please pay at least half of any operation or procedures she needed. Um, I think my mom suggested that and reminded (laughs) me that that was a thing to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, when she got the letter, she texted me and said, please don't talk to me anymore. Um, also I haven't actually decided that I'm going to get an abortion Um, and she said when I decide I'll tell you Uh, and then uh, that started up two whole months of me not hearing from her uh, in which uh, you know I probably uh, grew up quickly and smiled a lot less uh, and had carried tension in my body everywhere I went um, yeah. because I didn't know what was going to happen and I didn't know if I was going to be a father. And uh, I very clearly remember frantic, uh, intensely worded text from my mom saying, Adam, you need to be ready to be a father. Whatever happens, <laughs> happens, and you need to be prepared for any outcome. Uh, and, <laughs> thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. The absolute terror. Uh, she was right, you know? She was right. Sure. Uh, it wasn't the support that I wanted or needed, but she was right. Yeah. Um, and then one day, uh, she texted me to say, by the way, I got an abortion, um, and that's it. Um, and so, she and I didn't talk after that until next the following summer when she sent me a text saying, hey, Uh, This might be a surprise, but I wanted to tell you in case you saw me out in public, I just got married. Um, So I just wanted you to know. And that was surprising. Um, Mm. But we chatted about it a little bit. And she said that like a month after we broke up, she met someone who was a really perfect fit. They hit it off and moved in together within a month. Wow decided they were the right fit and decided they were going to spend their lives together. Um, And that was (laughs) shocking. Uh, But, you know, I was happy for her. And another year went by before I saw her again, and I think one of us reached out to just say, hey, do you want to see each other and just check in? And we met at some coffee shop um, that specialized in pie. I remember, Mm. uh, eating a slice of pie. (laughs) And I remember talking to her and thinking like, this is a really like lovely person who I can't imagine being intimate with. Mm. Um, and like, I can't quite put myself back in that situation of like, I'm not the person I was, you know, two, two years prior. And I I guess the reason I share that detail is that looking back, like, you know, she now had this uh, partner who she apparently was just immediately smitten with and happy with and they had a dog and she was, you know, on her way to starting her career and things were good. And I can't imagine what it would have been like if there had been a child. I don't think, uh, you know, like, I don't know that we were meant to be Connected by that thread, uh, nice. by that living thread, for the rest of our lives, um, and I'm so glad that she was able to choose. I'm so glad for her new partner. Um, you know that she was able to choose. I'm glad for myself because I was not ready to be a co-parent. Um, and and yeah,
1: happy for that dog too. Happy for I the mean. dog doesn't have a terrorizing <laughs> toddler. <laughs>
3: Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the end of the story. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm curious what, what y'all think. And, you know, it brings up some things like, um, you know, I don't know. Is it, is it a common thing for someone to make a decision and say, you don't, uh, I'm just going to tell you when I make a call. Um, right. I don't know how often it's people so experience hard. that.
2: so
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, just thank you so much for sharing all that. Yeah. I can tell this is like someone who was like so special to you and it was it, it just no matter what, this was hard. And so thank you for sharing your story. Um, when you and I talked before, um, Adam and I spoke before this, just to like to get to know each other. And I, after we hung up, I was, I realized like, Oh my God, I think this is the first time I've ever heard a dude talk about an abortion. So it's just like, you, it, it's really important to talk about this. So thank you. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, I think we rarely hear about abortions in general. Um, and then but when we do from from women or from uterus havers, it's very much Yeah, it's it's like that point of view. And so it's 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 raising a lot of questions, I think, for me. Like, I mean, did you ever feel like you had any agency? Like if you had wanted to keep the child, or if you like, I don't know, when she told you that she was pregnant, were you like please God do this one thing like in your head where you just like for the love of God I want it this way whichever you know what I mean or was it or were you really like this has to be this is up to her I'm trying
3: to recall the feeling and what's coming to mind for me is that I think there was probably a big guilt voice in my brain saying um if she has a child that's just that's just what you that's just what you got to live with Mm -hmm. um and I was terrified of it Extremely, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, it's seven years later, I'm still not fiscally solvent uh, yeah. in a big way. So like I can't even, you know, I was so young, um, you know, granted some people have kids when they're super young, but I, it just was not in my life plan. Um, and so I think it was a lot of terror around how I was going to live as a person who needed to fiscally support something that I had very much not planned on. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think I want to just pause here and say that like, there is so much bullshit that um, people with uteruses have to take care of that uh, mask uh, folks, men, um, people with penises don't really have to worry about. There's so much biology we don't learn. There's so much medication we don't learn. So like, I think I want to be really clear here that like, I don't want to say, like, oh, woe is me. I was left outside of this. Um,
1: but I think but, that's a f- you know. fair but – it, it, but that's what's so complicated about this is that, like, yeah. this was going to affect your life no matter what.
4: It's a right. huge, yeah, And, and that's yeah. why I think
1: it's important to talk about it because if you didn't have a choice at all in the matter because of the government, like, you know what I mean? Like, right. that's taking away the choice of two people.
4: Yeah,
2: that's true. I know. It's so like, because I think, I'd like to think if I had been in a similar situation early on when like, you know, I was too young and didn't know what I was going to do, uh, that I would be like, all right, person whose sperm I, I grabbed, uh, <laughs> let's talk Wait, about Wait, that it. you grabbed Meg? That I just grabbed. You grabbed it? Is that... I don't, how does you know, sex work? We'll talk about sex after this. Um, but uh, but it's funny because then I can I can walk myself through the conversation and like I'd probably be so scared of what they'd say, you know, like yeah. what you open this conversation and what if you have totally different opinions? What if I'm not ready? I'm I want an abortion. And the person's like, I I think this mm. is how it's supposed to be, and then you're like, oh my god, you know, like it's yeah it's it's such a complicated thing and like but i mean yeah i don't know it it makes my stomach turn so i can't imagine how you felt adam (laughs) so do you talk about this like this abortion you know
1: do you talk about it often like does it come up in in conversation when you or like or when the the debate comes up if, if pro life pro choice comes up at a dinner party or something are you someone who's like oh the, you know I w- my life was changed by the choice to to have a baby or not
3: i mean i i i do live in portland oregon no one's a uh, baby i don't think i've it. come within i don't think <laughs> i've come within a mile of anyone who's against sure. uh, abortion rights sure. in the past yeah. i don't know 10 years of my life sure. yeah. um do i don't think i talk about it that often i mean i think when the two months when I was coming to work with sunken eyes uh, every day, I'm pretty sure every one of my coworkers found out um, (laughs) probably because I told them when they said, why do you look so fucking sad? (laughs) Um, It's because I don't know if I'm going to be a dad or not. Um, That's so
4: fucking heavy. I mean, yeah, you're right that she was having the same thoughts, right? Like, Mm. am I going to become a mom or not? Yeah. That's, yeah. And,
3: and, You know, it's interesting, um, there's a sense in which, because I didn't have contact with her, you know, the decision was heavier for her. Um, Totally, yeah. I just got to, I mean, got to, relative term, (laughs) but I did just get to sit around and wait for someone else to make the decision, Mm, whereas she, on her own, decided... Um, and you know, that's really heavy too. And I, yeah. I really empathize with that. Yeah.
1: What yeah. do you think your life would be if you didn't have, if she didn't have that choice? Or I guess like maybe, maybe not, you just like, what does a world look like in which that decision is made for everybody? Like now that you've lived through it, oh, you know, like interesting. you've lived through it, you dealt with that. What is now? Yeah. What does that look like?
3: Well, so that's interesting because, um, I guess what you're describing is a world in which she wouldn't even have had a choice right. to, to do it. If Alito it. had and I his think, way. Which right. <laughs> right. That, I mean, that's an, because what I was going to say when you first asked that question of like, what, what would have happened is, you know, people are resilient and we find solutions to things. If there mm-hmm. had been a child that I was suddenly the co-parent of, it would have changed my life entirely. But, I believe in my ability to have risen to the occasion. And then when you add in the idea of what if this wasn't my ex-partner's choice and that she was legally obligated to um, carry uh, the pregnancy to term, um, I think it would be a lot worse um, Mm -hmm. because then we're stuck together. Then it's not a choice. Mm -hmm. There's no agency there. Um, You know, that's a human being that... Uh, I would have tried my darndest to love, but then, you know, then I would have been stuck to a person with whom, you know, I had decided I didn't want to spend my life with. Um, connected by a child that she in this, uh, you know, scenario we're talking about didn't want, uh, it's horrifying. Yeah.
4: Yeah. And then,
3: you know, I mean, I have to say again, I'm white and I'm upper middle class and, um, my family has a safety net. I would be fine, mm-hmm. one way or another. Uh, and our country is full of underprivileged people whose, you know, votes are disenfranchised, whose yep. uh, access to resources uh, is almost non-existent, uh, who are structurally kept out of every possible advantage. Um, you know, compared to the people who this really threatens. It would have been a breeze for me, mm-hmm. um, mm. and that is chilling, you know, to think about. Yeah, yeah.
4: I'm a public school teacher, um, and I've mostly worked in I don't I don't know the term that we're using, but what others call inner city schools, which like <laughs> I feel like is such a like nineteen. 90s way of talking about <laughs> our communities Basically, Cut to i've, been, act I've <laughs> worked in brown and black communities um and uh like it's hard to say this but i feel like i've worked with kids from families that have had many kids and maybe that wasn't a decision or maybe it was but there there was such a lack of resources. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I love my kids. I'm so happy they're here. And also I've like heard stories from people I work with being like, "Yeah, I remember working with that mom with her older child and then being like, "Oh shit, she's pregnant. She's pre- there's going to be another kid added into the mm-hmm. situation." Like fuck and then mm-hmm. yeah it's really hard it's really heavy especially when our government is not at all willing to provide any resources mm-hmm. to families no. to make right. those successful situations yeah. um it's really really hard um so i don't even know how to appropriately have this conversation about like yeah. what i've seen like people living in forced poverty have to deal with with like you know, one, two, three, four, five children. Like mm-hmm. it's fucking hard. Bicious,
1: vicious, vicious, vicious Adam, when do you share, do you know other men? Like, do you talk about this experience with other men who've been through this where they've been with, in a partnership where there was an abortion?
3: Um, you know, to be totally honest, this is, you know, like I mentioned, I, you know, at a certain point during that time, coworkers and friends all knew what I was going through, but since then I really haven't talked about it that much, in yeah. part because, you know, it hasn't really felt like it was my story to tell. Mm. Um, it felt like it was hers. Um, and only, you know, recently Uh, when I saw the request for men to start being more open about it, did I realize that it probably, you know, was my responsibility to be more open about it. Um, So I, this feels, I guess, disappointing to say and embarrassing, but I don't know uh, if or how many of my friends um, have had this situation.
1: I mean, it's, you're bringing up so many interesting points about, that it is such a fine line. It is it is such a tricky thing. And I don't think I quite like appreciated that from from men. That like, it, it doesn't really necessarily feel like your story to tell. But I think we are craving, I, I think the pendulum for so many years in the activist space, and I'm not like an expert at all, but it feels like it was like, my body my choice my uterus you don't get an opinion no uterus no opinion you know the plan I I read somewhere that attributed like the Planned Parenthood logo is even like all pink and it's just like it's very gendered and I think that was because for so many decades laws were passed by men doctors were men people for Roe v. Wade against Roe v. Wade I mean everyone in everyone was men (laughs) so I think this was like a backlash to that but now i think it's sort of like okay we need to like swing that pendulum back because it is so important to hear men that like in in the way that we need to hear women who are who diverge from the typical idea of who people think are having abortions which are like teenagers who like had an oopsies no it's like moms Mm -hmm. it's like upper class middle it's like white moms who are having you know what i mean it's like not just the the people that like a lot of people think. So in that same mistresses way, mistresses
2: of high level politicians, right? You know, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, which also happens.
1: Um, mm-hmm. But like we need but to I, get a
4: mistress on the horn, you guys. Who, <laughs> mistress with an
1: abortion. Um,
4: Episode
2: one hundred and one.
1: <laughs> but I but I think it's all in that way. It's also important to hear from men, if only to just be like, I also my life was changed by the choice to have one. Like you know what I mean? Like I also had, like I was a part of that, whether or not I made the choice, whether or not, but it's like my life was impacted. Um, cause I don't think we think about that enough.
2: Right.
3: Well, I've got, I've got a question for y'all. Mm-hmm. Um, when do you want the men in your life to speak up for, um, women's femme or uterus having issues? Um, Uh, And when I say men, you know, in this situation, I'm assuming cis, but I I don't know. I also like to be inclusive because uh, maybe trans men want to be included in this responsibility, too. So, um, yeah, yeah, but I guess, like, speaking for folks with identities like me Mm -hmm. or or asking for folks with identities like me, when do you want us to show up and in what ways? It's
2: a really good question. Yeah, I think, I mean, because one... Uh, I was thinking about this before we met up and I went back to the year was 2016. Such a good year for all of us. Um, But I remember being so uncomfortable talking with uh, mostly like cis straight dudes um, about politics because uh, especially like leading up to November it was still like Bernie versus Hillary and there was like it just felt like a really uncomfortable thing where, like, a, a, quite a few of my dude friends uh, would just kind of assume that, like, the women in their lives were gonna vote for Hillary because of, like, gender loyalty uh, and that all the dudes they knew were gonna vote for Bernie. And, and uh, I would kind of give reason, reasons as to why I was gonna vote for Hillary. Um, and I remember being in a car and my, my dude friend being like, Yeah, well, you know, you're supporting a woman. And I was like, um, no, but he just so quickly like disregarded me. But my husband was also going to vote for Hillary, and like immediately, my friend was like, oh, that's interesting. I never thought about it like that. And so it's it's frustrating. But there are, and this is my fr- like my friend who like I continue to be friends with. Like, you know, uh, it's he's not a bad person. It was just kind of sometimes he people need to hear it from a different perspective to click. So like I think in those moments where if I'm in a room with dudes who are open to talk but might disregard what I'm going to say because they're like, "Well, I already know how Meg feels. She's a cis woman who, you know, is liberal, so of course she's pro abortion." You know. Uh and and having a man kind of like also uh amplify and advocate mm. uh I think can be so helpful in those moments. So I think like what you're doing with the, a men's group and just being like, we need to have these conversations amongst each other. I think it's, it's going to make such a difference the more and more that happens. Because mm-hmm. I think so often guys feel like they don't have to participate. You know, they like show up at the polls instead of like really deeply thinking about it. I, I mean, I that's, think what you're saying that's, Meg, that's what is what like you, me. you
1: need men to be like the hype men for you like if you're I mean, obviously, something- I'd love a team of hype men.
2: <laughs> I think there, it, you know, I think there's politicians who may disregard, you know, women activists because they're like, I already know how you feel. And you're Identity also politics. hysterical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. And so like having men uh, also help in that arena is great. But I also understand, you know, your point, Adam, like, you don't want to take space. You want to take up space or, like, put yourself in, you know, uh, a, a place that's meant for someone else. But I do think, like, when it comes to, like, our government that is still so predominantly, like, white and male, I think men in that room helping fight the fight is actually going to be really useful.
1: And I do think if you didn't live in Portland, like you would probably, like where everyone probably agrees with you on this, I think you would find that your voice would probably like reverberate more in spaces where like people are disagreeing with you. Like if you were at a dinner party Mm -hmm. where this was a debate. Um, But I know that we're all like, we all live in our own like liberal bubbles, so yeah.
4: Um, yeah, for me, like, I mean, just being pro-choice is a great way to start, men that are listening. Um, I, you know. Give it a
0: try. We think
4: you'll like it. Oh, uh, my dad is like a, a dad of three women and, you know, he's very supportive. I have no idea what his stance is. And maybe that's just because he's like, I'm, I will not be speaking on this. Keeping my mouth bits. Yeah, exactly. Um. But being uh, vocally pro-choice is a great place to start. Um, being, like, decidedly pro-choice and even pro-abortion. I'm i am still understanding, like, the difference between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, to use a condom. Don't be one of those assholes that's like, I don't use condoms. They fucking feel like hate shit. <laughs> Goodbye. Go back to, like, whenever that was like couth, like fuck
2: off Um, also never forget it's canon in like episode three meg compared condoms to using paper bags and like
4: (laughs) (laughs) i meant plastic bag but i accidentally said paper and then i sounded like like, an insane person that's never had sex before
1: (laughs) And she's had sex twice, so we all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> oh. They are like paper bags because you can recycle them even after they got common. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Oh, God.
4: Um, we just have
2: to put a disclaimer in this. Um, we must address the <laughs> misinformation spread in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's, just this.
4: Joke, That's just a
3: little <laughs> joke, y'all. That's a
4: little joke. Oh, okay. The one other thing I put down is like. Go to a protest. Mm. I felt so good. Like, in the summer of 2020, I went to quite a few protests in my very small town in Orange County. There were, like, I don't know, 10 to 20 of us. But, like, it felt really fucking good to just walk around with a sign. And, like, as a white person, it actually felt really freeing to just show up and be, like, I don't have to lead anything. I'm literally just here being supportive. Like. I, I'm holding a sign. Someone else organized this and I'm just showing up and supporting. Yeah. I think like as white people, especially white men, like uh, we're, we're kind of all just like put in charge of shit that we have no business being in charge of. Like, uh, here's a mic. I guess you're like uh, an expert. You're the MC now. Yeah. yeah. This expert you, this, on this thing you know nothing about. And like, I know for me, that's like, I'm constantly trying to change my brain um in those spaces like no no one's asking you to lead shit and like solve shit like just literally show up with a sign like use your body too like use your if you're a big guy especially like do um yeah is it called escorting for at abortion clinics yeah which he did yeah it's really helpful it's really helpful to literally just have a man standing next to you silently like it literally makes us safer when men are just standing there, <laughs> like yeah, that's i those the that other... would be my my suggestion.
1: When it comes to protest too, I do want to flag that former guest of our show, uh, Liz Plank, who's like a really, you know, she's a pretty big voice in like mindful masculinity and stuff. She's on MSNBC a lot. She recently posted a bunch of photos on Instagram <clears throat> of the pro-choice marches over the weekend. And it was just of men. She was like, I think she like had a hashtag for it. She was like, men show up. Like this is what happens when men show up for women. And it was really cool to just see photos of men because it, in a lot of ways, it ha- like I said, it's a, it's been a women's issue, but it doesn't have to be just a women's issue. Like, Yeah. Um, and also, I read in this article that made a really good point that the freaking pro-life movement is, like, dominated by men. Like, yeah. uh, so many of the leading pro-life movements either came out of men's groups or are now led presidents are men. So it's like they kind of have that privilege of having that those like men of authority and it's like we should have that too like I don't know like that feels like a really simplistic way to say it but it's like we do get poo-pooed because we're women sometimes and it would be nice to have the privilege of like I'm not saying I want Planned Parenthood to be run by a man or NARAL or anything (laughs) but like just to have like those hype men
4: it's interesting you like. I'm just making a connection that men being in charge of pro-abortion foundations or whatever, pro-life, like, mm-hmm. pro part of me, pro-life mm-hmm. spaces. That's so Christian. Like it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. so heteronormative and patriarchal yeah. because like there are plenty of women that are pro-life. Unfortunately, <laughs> I went right. to Catholic school for nearly two decades. So I was raised by many of them. Um, I saw Adam Cypress go up. That's right. I'm still standing here. 20 years <laughs> Catholic school. Thank you so much. Um, but Somehow, that's why. Like there are plenty, of, unfortunately, of women that feel that way. But they're not in leadership positions. Because that's not how you fucking do shit on the conservative side. Right. Like the men mm. are the head. Like it's. Right. So it's it, gross. on yeah. our side of things, like like you said, Kate, we're not asking this meant to run shit. We're just saying, just show up. Yeah. It, just yeah. be there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's interesting though. And it's something I never thought about, you know, because I in researching this episode, I was sort of like trying to find, okay, who's been outspoken about this? Has there been like a blogger or someone on Twitter who went viral that I can like call up and see if they want to be on the podcast? And like not many people had. There was like two people that I think I found saying, like, an abortion saved my life, and here's why. Or abortion benefited me, and here's why. Two, that I really... There were, like, prominent people, and neither of them got back to me, so they're dead to me. Um,
2: <laughs> but, like, so, I mean, just... Third most prominent person, Adam. <laughs>
1: and <he's here. laughs> But that's why it's, like, blog about it, write about it, tweet about it, put a, it on Instagram stories. Like, that's not taking up space. That's, you know... That's, I think, sharing a perspective that we don't hear enough. You know what? We've had a lovely long talk. And we end every um, interview with three crazy questions to every guest. The thing is, these questions are about people's menstrual cycles. Now, you don't have a menstrual cycle, Adam. So I was wondering if if you would feel more comfortable answering questions about your penis or your testicles? What can we personify? So these questions are basically, I'm not going to give them to you. Well, I, I think we'll just give it. So basically it's like, what TV character is your period is what we ask people. Or like, oh, what, yeah. what okay. is your period wearing? Okay. So do you, would you prefer, I don't know, You dealer's choice. Do you want to talk about? We'll
3: just, we'll just talk about the whole the whole genital region. The whole is package. Okay? Great. great. Sounds great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay.
1: So Adam, with that yes. said. Yes. If your entire genitals <laughs> was a TV character, which TV character would your genitals be? Oh gosh,
3: you know, you know, Twin Peaks, the guy, uh, the nice guy who owns the 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 shop. He's like he's like tall and steadfast and nice. Okay, um, and and. I, <laughs> Yeah. I, I think I, I think it. I've got a I think I've got a nice a nice guy, shy, timid, but you know like
2: steadfast. Some
3: some real some real like like solid Americana.
2: Alright. Yeah. <laughs> Good answer.
3: Uh-huh. I love it. What's his name? Is it Big Ed?
1: <laughs> I I never watched I, Twin Peaks.
3: Yeah, it's Big Ed for sure.
2: Big Ed Big Ed. Well I mean that's uh-huh. an incredible name. name for Jeff. Oh plus. my god, oh my <laughs> just like that's sick right now.
3: <laughs> Yeah, it's big Ed okay. for sure.
4: Yeah, nice little flannel. Uh huh. Great.
3: Okay. Into that <laughs> for you. All
2: right. Great. Okay. Um, Adam, <laughs> what are your genitals wearing? What fashion <laughs> trend are they donning?
3: Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Uh, well, I mean, you know, the, I don't want to be informed by the last one too much because that answer would just be fucking plaid all over the place. But that
1: makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, you're a butcher it in Portland. It, it all clocks. It it's
3: that, but I think my penis is like, I think under the plaid would secretly be wearing like hot fishnets. Okay.
4: Like, yeah. I love this. It's like a
3: little, a little secret, you know, a little surprise, I guess.
4: Okay. Yeah. Nice. Great. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like the layers I like the layers Very smart Yeah, what's yeah.
3: the What's the third question?
4: The third question is um, <laughs> I don't even know how to say this as a question um, It's not so crazy
3: Okay, go ahead, sorry
4: If your genital region was a piece <laughs> of art What would be the oh. title of it?
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, wow Okay Um Okay
1: <laughs> I'm like blushing that we're asking you these
3: questions. <laughs> <laughs> what can is Can I can I ask do people? So amazing. Do people normally cite like existing works of art? We've Either had both. or yeah. Uh, the persistence of memory. <laughs>
4: <laughs> is that Googling? a like, existing
1: work of Googling, yes. Oh, Dali.
3: Ooh, a Salvador Dali. It's the melt the It's The melting clock?
4: Great. But wow. what a good
3: name. What a good name for genitals, the persistence of memory.
4: Truly. Wow. <laughs> wow. People never forget, apparently.
3: Yeah, I can only... Memorable. I'm, I can only hope, you
4: know? <laughs> yeah, that's all you can hope for. <laughs> people will fucking forget you and be like... It's evocative.
2: <laughs> it's Memorable.
3: <laughs> Okay, can I can I name something it looks that looks good I feel, flaccid? <laughs> the one thing I feel a little I feel a little self conscious about yeah. is that I feel like people personifying their period. It's not necessarily so much as a brag, but it feels like it feels like I'm kind of trying to talk myself up, and I don't sure. You no, know,
1: that's what I was feeling too, because it's there's this this baggage, so to speak, of. Of of that with with penises and genitals, so I didn't mean to put you in that position, and I'm sorry uh-huh. it became that. But it, this has been fun,
2: and I um, so fun. And, and I'm it. pro all of your answers. I didn't feel Agreed. like you were trying to like yeah. be braggadocious. I felt and like also, these were genuine. Who cares
1: if you're braggadocious? Like. I feel like we know you. I feel like you're allowed to do that.
3: Yeah. Okay, thank you. Absolutely. Yes.
2: Yeah, and you're uh-huh. the one feel good about it. your genital region, Adam. Yeah, <laughs> you go. Go off.
1: Adam, so, so we're just so honored that you shared your story with us because I think this is a tough topic for anyone to talk about, and you're so open, and you're so articulate, and you're so wonderful. Um, before we go, is there any like thing you want to send – any cis men off with we do have some cis men listeners um when it comes to iowa yeah there's that guy (laughs) in iowa that called lee are you listening um do you have any like just thoughts for men as we go into a world where maybe abortion is no longer legal for women or guaranteed uh
3: yeah uh wear a condom and never fucking complain about it you asshole Um, Mm, 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 recognize that you've been socialized to do harm to femme people. Be prepared to hear that you did something you didn't mean to do and be willing mm. to apologize, take accountability for it, and promise to do better. You're not a bad person. Everyone makes mistakes. You, as a man, God, you're going to make so many mistakes you have already. (laughs) So just be ready to to confront them. Um, Start a men's group. Uh, if you don't know how, find me on the internet and I'll talk to you about it. Um, don't make marginalized people do emotional labor for you. Don't make the women in your life be your therapist, pay a therapist, Mm -hmm. find some man friends to talk to about and process your feelings. Think about how you feel about your body. Be open with your partners, be they of any gender and tell them how you feel about your body. Let them love you and give you affection that you need. Um. Call your parents if they deserve to be in touch with you. Um, wear
1: sunscreen. Wear sunscreen. <laughs>
3: um, cook. Oh, cook a fucking meal. Do the fucking dishes. Shut <laughs> up, and don't complain. Everyone works hard. Uh, and um, you know, uh, fuck cops. Uh, and yes. break the law. Hell
4: yeah. Yes, yes. Could that be my like outgoing message on my phone? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, this is
1: Meg, leave a message. All these things. Adam, it, where can people find you?
3: Uh, I have a website. I can't believe it. It's Adam um, um dot blogspot dot, buy, dot myspace. And yeah. <laughs> um no, uh send me an email. Uh AdamjacobSegal at gmail.com. Um you know, find me on Instagram, uh, New Masculinist Group. There's probably like 20 of those. But, you know, um, yeah, I, I would love to contribute time, if I have it, to helping other men start uh, up groups and do this work and start taking up some of the emotional uh, and political labor that uh, men have put on Uh, Femmes and non-binary folks In their lives for too long So uh, Hit me up Yay
1: Yay. Awesome Thanks so much Adam Thank you so much for being on Vicious Cycle And You're great Adam Doing the work
0: Doing the work Such great advice Such great points It's just It was so fun to hear Hear his side of things And so You know Moving to hear His You know His abortion story
1: Yeah Um, so thank you so much, Adam. And we'll put all, you know, his website we'll put in the show notes and everything. Um, but listeners, if you have a cis dude in your life who wants to share their abortion story, please have them call our hotline 9106 Uterus. They, there they can talk, they can be anonymous, they can tell us their story. Um, we have gotten a few cis male callers in the past. Lee from Iowa, don't think we've forgotten. Oh, yeah. Um, so please, yes, by all means, call in. We love getting phone calls. Um, I just, I just kind of want to sit in that. That was such a good talk. That was so, yeah. so good. And I think since we interviewed him, we've talked with many other guests we've had on about his interview. So yeah. he keeps coming up. Like Adam, thank you so much for your words. You, your, your wisdom keeps us going through the season. So we really appreciate it. Here, here. I don't know. What should we should we do like a a why I cried or read my labes? What do we feel? What do we feel without Meg? What do we want to do? What would Meg not want us to do? And let's do it. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: Well, I so I now now the I was locked and loaded with a potential vintage why I cried. But now that I'm thinking about it, I wonder if I've done this one on the pod already.
1: Ooh! well, let's hear it. And I'll let you know, because I probably don't remember. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's a
1: rerun, it's a rerun, why I cried
0: there you go, and I'll have a different take on it. Um, <laughs> all I knows is, um, here's why I cried uh in junior year of high school um oh boy. i God, I do now that I'm bringing it up, I do think I've said it. here it comes um went to the movie theater with my buds. We would all go, we'd get Applebee's beforehand, and then we'd have exactly enough money after our meal at Applebee's to get a movie ticket and a soda. Um twenty bucks could go so far back in the day. Ugh, back in the day. Uh and then uh we saw No
1: tip. I assume you have I assume you haven't tipped anybody of in this process. No no waiter has received think, a tip.
0: I think I did because I was a good tipper from young age, but it was probably yeah, that's good. two that's good. two dollars. Yeah, it
1: was it was 10%. Yeah,
0: I can't I can't say it was good. Um but but like movie tickets back then, I think were like top 7 bucks. Oh yeah, they, I remember. You know? And then a soda was maybe like 2 or 3 dollars, which seemed a lot. So yeah, I mm-hmm, think I was mm-hmm. ordering like an 8 dollar salad at Applebee's, throwing mm-hmm. some tip down. Anyways, it was a magical time. What a time. What a time. Um and so and then Uh, We all went in a row to see A Walk to Remember, Mm. famously Mandy Moore. Shane West, I think was his name. Mandy Moore has a disease. I think it's cancer. Maybe. I don't know if she's going through any treatment. She's just very sick. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, and it's famously the movie where she says, don't fall in love with me um which iconic absolutely iconic but all i know is that like i cry at almost every movie my dad and i go see rom-coms all the time and both are like weepy little babies at the end so <laughs> i knew i would cry i didn't know i would be such a disaster like and all of us in a row collectively oh are just loudly audibly crying oh um like my shirt is getting wet because i am so intensely weeping. Um, and I think about it a lot. I'm like, that's probably the hardest wow. I've ever cried in a public space. <laughs>
1: wow.
0: Yeah. Oh, I watch to remember. Wow. That one hit over, me. It was the right, over Mandy, the right time.
1: Does she die in the end?
0: She does. I hate to break it to you, but she does.
1: I'm so it's sorry very to like, bring that up.
0: It, no. And like, I'm going to need a second. Um. <laughs> uh, so because it's very like Fault in our stars And like there are Like uh, the notebook It's like of
1: yeah. well, In fact it might yeah. be a Nicholas Sparks book um, I feel like it's It's notebook adjacent for sure Yes
0: Yeah it's like Someone's definitely gonna die There's gonna be the most Intense love you've ever There's felt gonna be a life. kiss
1: In the rain on a picnic blanket And there's gonna yep. be a death A terminal 100% illness. 100%
0: So yeah it was like My first real one of those um, Wow yeah. Okay. It was intense. So,
1: I mean, it sounds like, I mean, were you, any of you on your period? And do you think, that's question one. And question two is, was it you were crying because someone else cried and then went like, they, you, they give you permission to sort of also cry? Mm-hmm.
0: I think, so one, I cannot remember if I was on my period, but there were at least four or five gals there. Someone so there was, was bleeding. A good chance someone was bleeding. And it was probably the alpha um and then I think I probably would have like still done my classic cry because like when I go to movies with my dad you know I tear up I have moments but we don't really like we don't go hard and I think right. because my friend next to me was just truly crying I was just like okay I'm just gonna let it fucking out
1: like it was yes it was wild Wild. Yes, so I am thinking about when's the hardest I've cried at a movie, and I think yeah. I can think of a f- like at a movie theater. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, I can't remember this. Oh, so one of them for sure was Milk when I oh. saw Milk in the year yeah. two thousand eight. Um, it was the first movie I ever saw at the Castro Theater famous oh. iconic Castro Theater. Yes. Um I was a junior in college and I hadn't been to the Castro Theater. And I ro- I remember I rode my bike there. I felt like I, I went by myself. So. I was taking myself out. Yeah. Classic San Francisco I just, night. Yes. I had just started riding my bike around the city and like to get around. And I was like, I'm gonna bike to the Castro Theater. It was like a matinee, maybe like I don't know, like a four o'clock showing Um, it was early on in the movie, so it was packed. And I was in that theater being like, people in this theater knew Harvey Milk. Like, I'm sitting around people that probably knew him. Uh, And uh, every time the Castro Theater came up, every time the Castro came up on the screen, people cheered, which is often, uh, like the movie takes place in the Castro. Yeah. And I can't remember if, because that movie's about, Prop 4 Which was the proposition That would have Made it so that Teachers in California Couldn't be gay Right Like That's a big part Of that movie And I think Prop 8 Had just been passed Or was like Which was a similar bill In the year 2008 Which uh, Made it so that Gay marriage was banned In the state So I can't remember If I saw it Before Prop 8 was I think I saw it When Prop 8 had passed Mm -hmm. And Just Wept in the theater Afterwards Like Like the kind of weeping where you can't catch your breath. Yeah. And I was alone. Uh, yeah. But, but there were a lot of people around, but I just remember right. being like, this is the most powerful movie experience I've ever had. Um, it was such a good movie. And so sad. It was really good. I have been so seen it. timely.
0: Yeah. I don't think I saw it since then. I think I saw it in the theaters mm-hmm. and was moved. Now I think there's, you know, feelings about it. Cause it was like Sean Penn doing like gay face and, you know, whatever. He classic. was so good in it. I mean, it's, He's so good. Beautiful movie.
1: Um. Wow. Hey, listeners, what movie made you cry the hardest? You can message yeah. us. You can call us. Let us know. We want to know what brought you to your knees. <laughs> yes. In a theater. In a theater. Um, and not at like an airplane. Because airplane, yes, I cried one. Like airplane, I cried at Pitch Perfect 2 once. Yep. I cried at Coco many times on an of airplane. Course. I want to know what made you cry at a theater. That's yep. when you know. That's when you.
0: That's how you know when it really
1: moves you. That's how you know when it makes you weep. That's when you know. Nailed it. (laughs) Oh man, you know we don't need Meg. Oh yeah, yeah. Who? You guys? (laughs) You guys? (laughs) You guys?
0: listeners are going to have a field
1: day. They'll be like, "You're not doing her justice at all." I think they're going to think that she was there just now. The oh, listeners so. going to be like, "Oh, did she did she pop in? Did she <laughs> jump in?" Um <clears throat> listeners, next week we're going to take a little hiatus. It is time for the blosts to just take mm. a take a minute to ourselves. Yeah. So we're going to run a rerun next week. We don't know of what. Um or one of our faves. One of our faves, one of the all-time hits. And then we'll be back the week after with so much more. This season is, we're not even close to being done with this season. Yeah. There's so much more content coming at you. Um, abortion and non-abortion related. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, why don't you track us down on Instagram, ViciousCycle Cycle Podcast.
0: Uh, like we said, we've got a very fun Patreon that you can find us at it's patreon.com backslash Vicious Cycle Podcast. I think that, you know, if you ever feel like emailing us, we do have an email. It's just like a podcast at gmail.com. So we we check that inbox.
2: We're we happy to it. read your
0: stories. So, for instance, if you have a story that you want to share with us, but you don't like the sound of your voice or have a very like if you're may he rest in peace. Gilbert Gottfried, very recognizable and you want to stay anonymous. Send us a Gmail.
1: You know, yes. that's what it's there yes. for. Yes, absolutely. I was like, if you're, if you're Gilbert you're Gottfried and you've died and you can't use the phone, then <laughs> email then
0: us. Contact Leona Chalmers. She knows how to get in touch with us. And hey, just just remember, keep calm and fuck
1: cops and do the dishes. Our theme song was written by Meg Trowbridge and performed by The Go-Ahead. Find them at thegoaheadmusic.com. And our Vicious cycle logo was created by Katie Newman. Find her at katienewman.online.